Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Good morning, TTB community. I am Bob Demetta, and here with me, as always, is the very creative Elliot Shibley. Thank you, Bob. I understand what creative is. Yeah, I, I took an easy route today. I don't know why. It, it's Sunday morning, um, sort of just waking up. I have a warm cup of coffee. I didn't want to make your brain work too hard. Thank you. I appreciate that. And this week's episode is the Travel Bites, which means we will be giving you a brief update on the coronavirus as it relates to travel restrictions and care. Finland gives an update to their family leave plans. Scientists break down the perfect vacation length, which I think is going to be really cool to talk about. Mm -hmm. A guy who traveled the world with a ferret. There's an article, an entire article about that that we found. It's very heartwarming. And then Amsterdam is thinking about banning their infamous smoke cafes. And I have a story about that that we'll get into. And then tickets to ride into space with Leonardo DiCaprio on Virgin Galactic are on sale now. Whoa. I mean, that sounds like the entire article. <laughs> it sounds like what? The entire article. <laughs> there, there's a little more to it. But yeah, it's, it, it was an interesting one. Yeah. Additionally, right. at the end of the episode, we'll talk about who we have on this month. And reminder, there is no trivia question for this week. If you have an answer to last week's trivia question, you can still email us or shoot us an Instagram direct message. We have updated our website to include travel gear, and we added a book a trip link to our to our website. And that you can now scroll through, and you can actually check out some of the companies that we have interviewed on this podcast. One that really calls out to me is our interview with GJ Travel, who operates out of Iceland. They have multiple trips throughout Iceland, depending on the type of vacation you like to take, whether it's an adventurous one or a relaxing one, or if you want to make your way over into Greenland. They have a ton of different types of trips. And our conversation with Gregory, who uh, was the managing, um, one of the managing uh, personnel at GJ Travel at the time, uh, gave us really cool insight on, on the national parks and things like that. So if you go and you book with them through our link, it, it contributes to our podcast in, in a way that we would be very happy with. It's, it's, it would help a ton. And so uh, it's also, just keep that in mind. It also gives you a 5% discount. It's not much, but it's oh, something. That's right. That's right. So anybody who books gets a 5% discount while booking with the Traveler's Blueprint. So we appreciate any bookings and, uh, and, and let us know what you think of the website. We're, it's still kind of a work in progress, but I think we're, we're making ground on it and, and we're hoping to develop it into something that's, that's well-rounded in, in the travel world with whether it's booking trips or podcasting or, or sharing other people's pages or work or books, whatever it may be. Okay, Elliot, uh, jump into the first article. I know we're going to talk about coronavirus a bit. Yes, so the... the Best reference and resource to look into the coronavirus is probably the CDC. And they currently have travel recommendations on six countries. Uh, that doesn't mean that if you're, the country that you are traveling to is not listed, you should still do some research to see if it's present. But China is a level three, which means avoid non-essential travel. And that basically means like, don't go there unless you absolutely have to. Uh, number two on the list is Hong Kong at a level one, which is practice usual precautions. I'm not sure exactly why Hong Kong isn't higher. Right. Maybe they've had more of a quarantine and separation from mainland China. Well, they do. Yeah, they, <clears throat> the capability is there to be more quarantined. But um, I, yeah, I don't really know why that does seem a little odd. Yeah. And then Iran, Italy, and South Korea are also all level threes, avoiding non-essential travel. And then the last one is Japan, which is level two 
practice enhanced precautions. Right. If yeah. it were me, I wouldn't travel to any of them. Uh, I agree. Not right now. No, I would not travel to any of those countries. It's just, especially if you have kids or you're traveling with the elderly, you're just putting yourself into a, uh, yeah. into a potentially dangerous situation. So Bob, hopefully it all clears up before you go to Italy in September. So the way I'm looking at it is if this virus is still spreading in September and it makes it through the hot summer months, then we have a very serious global pandemic on our hands. Yeah. <clears throat> if it's I mean, it's spreading, been going around for two months now. Right, right. Yeah. But if, it's, if it continues to spread through summertime, uh, I think it's going to be very serious. So I think traveling to Italy might be one of the last things on my mind at that point. But we did have, the United States did have its first confirmed death in Washington State uh, over, I think it was yesterday. So, yeah. you know, I, but unfortunately, the, the woman who passed away, she was already a high risk person for this, for lung illnesses. And yep. she wasn't, and uh, you know, so, so you can take that information with a grain of salt. Want. Yeah. Yeah. So because it is, it does primarily affect uh, elderly, already sick, and young. So it's just a flu-like, pneumonia-like virus. <clears throat> this isn't anything completely unheard of. Uh, so I think it's just a matter of practicing extra caution, especially if you're in airports. Do what you can to just wear masks. Know, yeah, it, it would be like wash your hands. To avoid the flu. Yeah, wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Yeah, mm. avoid kissing other people as much as possible that yes. you don't know. <laughs> yes. 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 But I don't. I personally don't feel any need to panic yet at all. Um, life is going on as normal. Let's move on. So next up, we have an airline that is potentially eliminating their change seat fees, which I think is is it across the board? It's two hundred dollars, right? I think it's that's every airline kind of uses that number. Yeah, when for you the most change, part. When you want to change your flight, they charge you two hundred dollars. Regardless now, if, as long as you, if you do it outside that 24 hour window and each airline is a little different. When I, when I went to Key West in the fall, I accidentally booked a day early and returned a day early. So I had to switch it and I was like 36 hours after I had booked it. So I still had to pay the change fees. Yeah. They, they're hard to avoid. I'm calling their bluff. I don't see it happening. I'm I appreciate that they are contemplating it, that they realize that it is an issue and most people hate it, obviously, but I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't think it's, they're going to do and it. And it's Delta. <clears throat> Delta wants to be more of a people's airline. Right. So they already added more seatback TVs where other airlines started to take them away. Do you know why they have the $200 change fee? Is it just because people would do it all too often? I actually I don't, don't know. know. Yeah, I don't know either. That's That sounds like that would be the case, but... Right. It just seems like it's an industry standard, so everyone does it. I don't know if it was set arbitrarily or if there was a reason behind it. I mean, it seems like it is a necessity because what wouldn't people just change their flights? You know, there would be no obligation to stick to a flight, and then you could potentially have people removing themselves from that flight shortly before it takes, you know, several days before the departure, causing the plane to have empty seats when it could have been I think there's and- some some leeway. Like, if you book a hotel or any other thing for that matter – you have a window that you can cancel or change for free. And then before that window, like a week or two weeks before, you can't change it without incurring a fee. That I think is reasonable. I agree. But if you book a flight six months in advance and your plans change a little bit, why wouldn't you be able to change your flight? Right. I agree. Yeah. So this third article is really interesting and really pertinent to Bob and myself because Bob already has a kid. I'm going to have a kid soon. And 
Finland just equalized parental leave for both parents. So that means that mom and dad each get seven months of leave, paid leave. That's insane. That, that, it's hard to fathom that, that that is their reality when people in this country struggle to find time off to, to be with their babies. Their yeah, it's, it's considered like so, a sickness when you're pregnant. That's how they treat it. Where? Here? Here, yeah. Yeah. And so, so it's seven months off for each parent. You get one month off before the birth of your child. Which is so nice. And then parents will be able to transfer 69 days from their own leave to their partner for ultimate flexibility. And single parents will be able to use all 14 months for themselves. That's just amazing. That sounds amazing. Go Finland. Yeah, seriously. And so, wow. And I just, so I, I read this article and it made me angry then. Well, yes, it did make me angry, but it also made me Google the federal uh, family leave act. Uh, guidelines that we have in the United States right now. So for maternity leave in the United States, companies require 12 weeks of unpaid leave if if they work for a company with more than 50 employees. So paternity leave in the United States, dads can take up to 12 weeks unpaid. However, and the only condition is that they won't there won't be a threat of them losing their jobs, which <laughs> which I don't really believe. I no. mean you know, on paper, yeah, I'm sure there's not going to be any company that's going to say, yeah, this is why we fired you, but... There's you, so much pressure. Right, right, right. So that that blows my mind. This this new prime minister of Finland, Sarah, or I'm sorry, Sana Marin, she's 34 years old. I could not imagine, that's almost my age, I could not imagine running a country at her age. Yeah, that's, that's really impressive. Very, very impressive. So. And not to mention our vacation policy in the U.S., Right, right. There is no federally mandated vacation. Now, does that, though, lend itself to us being the largest economy in the world because we're just hustling constantly? Yeah, probably. But how happy are we? There we go. Yep. Mo money, mo problems. I I (laughs) I don't know why I said that. (laughs) I never say that. It happened. (laughs) All right, let's move on. All right. What's number four, Bob? So number four... uh, the this this article was about people using their cell phones on airplanes. You know the the infamous the, they come on the speaker. Please turn your on airplane mode. Please turn off Wi-Fi. Disconnect. Turn all laptops off. The only thing you can have are your tablets and your phones. Whatever it is, why why? I, I found this one a little bit interesting because they didn't. All they really said in this article was that you can use Wi-Fi and it won't impact the plane. But they never really broke down what actually, what the source of the impact was to the controls of the plane and why that is an issue. So I Googled it and I did a little bit more research. And essentially what I found was that it's the radio transmissions and the electronics transmissions from the ground that could potentially impact the controls of the airplane. However, the FCC, Boeing, did, they all did multiple uh, tests on this and did and ran surveys, or not ran surveys, just, I guess, did tests. And they really didn't find anything concrete that says that this would impact the plane in any way. So turning your phone off is actually just a precaution without any hard evidence. So I think Boeing had people complaining, like pilots complaining that their controls were being wiry. And when Boeing tried to um, reconstruct those scenarios, they could not do it. So what it came down to in my research uh, was that this is all just very precautionary and just to maybe play air on the side of caution and be safe with it. Hmm. Interesting. But that does go to show that you still can use Wi-Fi pretty much throughout 
the flight. Right. Wi-Fi For cell phone, safe. texting, surfing, the web, doing whatever, Wi-Fi well, yeah. is safe. And it'll be interesting once planes go to a fully electronic system of controls instead of mechanical, because yeah. I think that'll change. Right. All right. Number five is essentially planning the perfect number of vacation days for your destination. Right. And to summarize this in one sentence, it is plan for a day for every time zone you cross. So if you're traveling from New York City to London, which is a six-hour time zone difference, plan for a minimum of six days. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I don't like. You don't it. agree with it? No, no. I mean, because the the thought process is that's how much time you need to acclimate to your new environment, right? Yeah. No, it takes you six days to get used to being in London if you leave New York City. No, 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 no. Not not six days to get used to it. It's six days that so. There's like a day of transition right in the beginning, or like a day or two of transition, and then you're you have that amount of time to enjoy it okay i i I guess I just really can't relate. I've always been the type to just get off the plane and hit the ground running i I don't know I sleep well, very not well everyone can be as physically I, fit and mentally fit as you, Bob yeah, I guess I don't know. I didn't realize this was an issue that that people had i i was reading through the article and it said make sure you have a day to settle in and, and a day to unwind which can you translate that for me what does that even mean do you even have you heard those words before <laughs> i don't even understand <laughs> man so what do you, what's your sweet spot for for travel like how long of a vacation do you like to take well and we should caveat the whole article it, it all depends on where you're going what type of traveler you are so yeah for you it's a little different but if i'm going to new zealand i'm not going to do a three-day trip right I'm going to do at least two weeks because there's at least three days that I'm going to be transitioning because you're 16 hour times that difference. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess for some people, (laughs) I mean, when I flew to Thailand, we landed and went out. Well, you are also what? 27. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Maybe, maybe 26. Yeah. Something like that. I forget. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was interesting that they're trying to at least, uncover this they they did say that day trips and particularly on business trips can be a fantastic way to check off big ticket locations this is something that i did on a regular basis so if work brings you to delhi and you're able to extend your trip 24 hours make time for the taj mahal uh for a day for the day and then that's just the what was suggested so that's something that i did all the time whenever i would travel somewhere i would figure out a way to extend my my stay i would do my work and then go on a hike in the Rockies or something like that. And then it worked out really well. And that goes to show if you're not changing time zones, if you're just following the longitude going North to South, then you're fine. So we only had like a two hour time zone difference when we went to Peru. So not much at all. There were times where I would be out in the country somewhere for work and I would fly into a different time zone, but then end up driving back into my time zone and then flying out of the other time zone. I would crisscross through time zones sometimes when I had to <laughs> had to work on the border of the time zone. And it was really interesting watching my, my iPhone time change throughout the day. Oh, yeah. And it would just mess me up. It was so hard to plan your day that way. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember having my Uncle Tony on? I do. So he has a house in Manila and he also has a house in Guam. Manila is... Manila and Guam are on opposite sides of the international dateline. So when he travels, and it's only like a three-hour flight. So when he travels from Manila to Guam, 
he's actually going forward by a full day. That's pretty funny. Only, but it's only three hour difference. And then when he flies back, he's losing a day. He's gaining a day back. He's essentially time traveling. Right. (laughs) Now, I I think I've seen articles where people have tried to celebrate New Year's around the world by just celebrating and then jumping on a plane. So what, the way you would do that is start in Australia, right? Yeah, or anywhere close to the international dateline. Right, Australia, New Zealand, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere around there. And then you'd essentially just fly west and just to all the countries that celebrate our new year. Yep. And you could celebrate it over and over again throughout a, a 24-hour period. Yep, chasing the sun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Pretty cool. That is pretty cool. All right. What's number six, Bob? So this article was interesting. Uh, black women love Italian men. And I read this and I went, duh. I mean, <laughs> who does it? Who does it? They're the best. That's only because you're Italian. Being 100% Italian, I can vouch for this and say that it is 100% true. Okay. (laughs) So I did find it interesting that though, that these these African-American women are actually traveling to Italy seeking love and not, you know, Brooklyn. Yeah. Well, the whole article was kind of fascinating. I didn't really know that there was this subculture of travel to Italy for African-American women. And I think, uh, I forget who it was in the article that started Black Girl Travels. And this was in like 2006. She went to Italy and ended up finding love over there. And then she started this travel company to bring single African-American women over to Italy. And they would just do like romantic getaways and find Italian men. It is one of the best countries to, to have that sort of romantic atmosphere, isn't it? The wine is great. The food is great. The music is beautiful. The architecture is beautiful. I could, I think I would get swooned there, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, it I doesn't, it. it is good to note that Italy still has some racist tendencies, especially from Italian men. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, in, in overall, this country too. Overall, if you're if you're interested in reading more about the article, it's fairly lengthy, and I think Tariro Mzemzewa does a wonderful job about discussing the history of the travel and finding love in Italy. Um, speaking of, of racist Italians, so when I was moving into you? <laughs> when I was moving into Philadelphia, I was looking for a place with my roommate at the time, who was a black guy, and we're just you know. Every weekend, every opportunity we had, we would go and look at different places. And we ended up in this really, really hardcore South Italian neighborhood in, in South Philadelphia. And as we come out, there's like the older Italians sitting on the front porch as they do. They pull me aside and he's like, hey, man, he's like, listen, he's like, it's not me. It's not me. But there's a lot of people on this block that want, want him moving here. And it was just like, OK, like what an odd thing to do. And after we left, I told my, you know, I told my buddy like, Hey, this is what this guy said to me. We didn't end up moving there. But we actually got a way better place near the art museum. Um, hmm. But yeah, that's not, that's not dead. That's everywhere. Yeah. It's interesting though. Cause I think Italians were discriminated against by the Irish when they first came over. Yep. Yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Now moving on to some of the quicker articles just to brush up on. And the first one is a, uh, it has a sad beginning, but it's got a feel-good ending. And this guy had essentially lost his mother, his foster mother, and his best friend all within a single year. They all passed away. And he was beside himself, didn't know what to do. And at the time, he was taking care of his pet ferret named, which is adorable, Bandit. 
And he said the only thing that kept him from taking his own life was caring for Bandit. Yeah. And so he decided to travel the world with him. Yeah, this was a this was a really cool article. I ended up following him on Instagram. Um, and his page is just so everybody knows it. Hold on one second. I'm going to find it. It is Charles Hammerton inspire. So that is his Instagram page where he, he posts about wellness and mental health. Uh, he's a motivational speaker now and just, uh, seems like a cool page to follow. It's great that when hit with that crossroads, he was able to, to move forward on a path that, that really worked out not only for him but he, he kind of found a way to use that experience to help other people yeah yeah because now he he speaks on mental health right and not to mention that when he and bandit were traveling they climbed mountains together and they walked everywhere together they visited places like france the middle east the arctic circle norway sweden the Netherlands. I mean, they've been everywhere. Yeah, this this bandit has been more places than I have. So I know, me too. Envious. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What's the second article here, Bob? We're getting autonomous. Uh, the as we are, it's the United States. Yes, it's getting <laughs> an autonomous shuttle in Columbus, Ohio. Elliot, how happy are you about this? I'm so I'm so psyched. So I'm currently reading a book all about autonomous vehicles, mm-hmm. as you know. Yes, you told me multiple times. In the future, we will likely have the author on to discuss autonomous vehicles and their impact on the travel industry. So stay tuned for that later this year. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. So what do you think about this? Is this the type of technology that we're going to see moving forward? Can you explain the technology? You're, you're much more... Um... Absolutely. Yeah, I think, I think autonomous vehicles are going to be the next wave of mobility transition. So automobiles 100 years ago made it easier for everyone to move around. And the fact that it hasn't really changed in a hundred years is interesting. Like we still operate these vehicles and to be honest, we're not very good at it. There are millions of people that die every year from operating these vehicles. And the fact that we're still allowed to drive them is, is interesting. Like I've never had an accident, but many people do. The fact that people can drive when they're tired, they can drive when they're drunk. All you have to do is take a 16 question test in Pennsylvania and you're given this killing machine. Right. Yeah. There's going to be a day. In history, when we look back on this time period and we're like, wow, I can't believe that we actually just let each other die just traveling from one place to another, going to work. People die all the time just going to their job that they hate. Yep. Ugh. Yeah. All so right. the whole the whole concept is that these vehicles are essentially are able to see the world around them in 360 degrees and anticipate movement of other vehicles, pedestrians. They can read signs. They can read lane markings and they're able to drive themselves. Pretty cool. And the actual, the actual inside of a car is going to change drastically to the point where we won't even see a steering wheel. And the seats will probably face inward towards each other like a train car uh, seating arrangement. Interesting. So, so these are essentially become personalized trains. As I understand it now with autonomous technology in cars like Tesla, you actually still, it requires you to look at the road. There's actually sensors to make sure that you're facing the road, that you're still aware of what's going on. So you're saying that in the near future, this will even be gone and you'll just be sitting in essentially like a pod. Yep. Okay. Pretty yeah. cool. And I think I'm that, that future I th- is probably 10 years away for early adopters. I mean, Tesla was one of the first people to actually have fully, sorry, not fully autonomous, but near autonomous vehicles. And I think true 90% adoption is 40 or 50 years away still. Wow. 
there's just a lot of legislature insurance and just public sentiment to change. So do you think driving cars will be a pastime? Well, obviously it will, but I, I'm going to imagine like a roadways or what are they called? Racetracks popping up. And it's going to be like this new recreational activity where it's like, Oh, do you guys want to go drive a car? Absolutely. It'll be like going to a shooting range. <laughs> right. 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 Or going bowling, it'll be an activity or axe throwing. Yeah. I see people in our generation hating that, that this, this move away from driving. How many people are going to rise up against this? I think a lot, but I think you also see some support because there's a lot of people that have lost a lot of loved ones. Right. And in fact, it'll make it cheaper for people because the ownership of a car is not that cheap. But these services, if you're able to essentially get an Uber every day, for as a subscription, much like you watch Netflix and you pay a hundred dollars a month to travel to and from work and pretty much go anywhere. That's only $1,200 a year. How much do you pay for a car over a 10 year period? Right. Wow. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. We definitely need to get the guy on the, on the podcast. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> anyway, we, we spent a lot of time on that one. Uh, yeah. The third item is kind of cool. So Amanda and I are going to Sonoma in June and in Napa Valley, there is this murder mystery style train that in October has a Harry Potter theme. And it sounds a lot like murder on the Orient express, but now murder on the Napa Valley express. Did you know this Napa Valley express existed? I had no idea. I've never heard Neither of it. Did I No, It sounds really cool. I looked into it a little bit. Now I think tickets are like $275 a person. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but they have multiple themes. There's like a 1920s gangster theme. There's a bride and groom theme where if you're a couple, you can dress up in your wedding gown and tuxedo. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, it, it seems like it's a fun way to, to travel around through Napa Valley and drink wine and have fun. And I don't know. So, um, I'm pretty upset to hear this. Amsterdam may be banning tourists from their coffee shops. Why? Why would they do this? And I already know the answer because oh. I read the article. <laughs> what? I I misread. I thought they were I thought they were just shutting down their coffee shops, their cafes. No, essentially what's happening is they did a survey of of tourists in the red red light district. And what they found is that a majority of the people there said that they were there to get high and to experience this. And I think Amsterdam is at a point where they don't want this reputation anymore. And so they're f- trying to figure out ways to shift gears on what it, I guess the, the thought process or the reasons to travel there to begin with. Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I will say the, I took a brief trip to Amsterdam when I was doing that study abroad in Germany that you've heard so many times about. And right. when we were there, yeah, that was the first time I'd ever smoked weed. That was the first time. That was the first time. When yeah. you were in college? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, me too. Yeah, you too. Yeah. So, uh, I mean... But I, I think have... other other places are filling the gap. Like Hamburg is already a destination that is kind of like Amsterdam. Prague is like the new Amsterdam. How is Prague like the new Amsterdam? Well, uh, Prague and Hamburg both have similar tourist, not tourist, but similar to the red light district. Right. I, well, I know Prague is like more like a sex place, right? I don't know. You tell me. You've been there. <laughs> I mean, I've never been there. I've never been there. Oh, you haven't? I thought no. you flew in. No, no. It's high on our list. Marley and I both want to go really bad, but I know that there's a portion of the city that is, um, pro- there's, there's, 
widespread prostitution. I think it's legal. Don't quote me on that. I don't yeah. even know if that's definitely true. And I, I think, think it's it legal in Germany as well. Is it? I yeah. know in Prague. <clears throat> so in Prague, there are places where you can go and sleep with a woman for free. However, the catch is there are cameras in the room and they put it on the internet and then get the income through the online subscriptions to the men who watch it online. Interesting. Very, it is interesting. It's, it is an interesting aspect. Of is the, the face blurred out? I, I didn't look into it that much. I did not <laughs> I didn't know get about into this. the details. I didn't get into the details. But that is, I just found that really, really interesting. I don't even know anywhere else that would ever do that. But No, that um, seems like a bad TV show. Going back to Amsterdam, I don't think Amsterdam is really going to have to worry about this weed thing much longer because as weed becomes legal from around the world, as it is in the United States and Canada, less and less people will be going there and seeking to do it because it will become so normalized. So yeah. Amsterdam, it's not like people go to Amsterdam to drink beer or any other country to really to drink a lot of beer, except for maybe Oktoberfest. It just, the article kind of made it seem like they're really worried about their reputation. Yeah. So that's fair. Whatever it may be. Maybe they're sensitive over there. All right. This fifth one is United Airlines giving $90,000. Yeah. $90,000 in travel vouchers for downgrading passengers. And it was only nine passengers, and they accepted $10,000 in travel voucher compensation. And uh, Bob, can you explain why they did that? For delays. For delays. So I, I didn't realize this. So I looked into it further. And according to the U.S. Department of Transportation, passengers have a lot of rights after they book, book tickets with airlines. And so in this particular example, it was 10 people, or I'm sorry, nine people who got $10,000 as part of their their compensation package. And I think it's really just because by the end of it with the PR issue and the, uh, the cost of hotels and potential meals and rebooking, it just was easier. I don't know. This seems like an insane amount of money per person. But from what I understand and what I just read at the U.S. Department of Transportation has, if, you, if your flight is delayed by one to two hours, you could be compensated up to the price of the one-way ticket to that destination up to $675. Wow. And then domestic passengers experiencing more than a two hour delay on flights will receive payments up to four times the one way value of their flight up to 1350. So I did not know that. I, you know, how many times do people have flights delayed by one or more hours? That's so many times every day. Yeah. And you heard it here. Yeah. Try to, uh, I, try to argue and get some money. Yeah, seriously. That's, that is a good piece of knowledge, right? All right. This last article is something we talked about with Valerie Stimak back in January regarding astrotourism. And Virgin Galactic is now accepting $1,000 deposits to secure priority access for their space flight. Right. So 600 people have now reserved a ticket, including Justin Bieber and Leonardo DiCaprio. The tickets run for about $250,000. So you have that laying around. This would be a good if good you place have two hundred and fifty k just laying around. What should I do with this two hundred and fifty thousand? You know what? I'm going to go to space with it. Yeah. So and if you have that much, maybe give some to the Traveler's Blueprint yeah. as a donation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, the, the the craziest thing is for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you do go to outer space. However, it is only a ninety minute experience, which that kind of blows my mind more than the fact that we're taking people to space. So <laughs> very interesting. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, it is a once in a lifetime experience. Before you, I mean, if you have, if you have money and you can do that, you have no training. The only people that have ever been able to do that before have had to spend their entire lives training for that moment. Right. 
It is. It's remarkable. It really is. It's it's truly amazing. I just would need to see that cost come down a little bit before I consider it. Yeah. All right. So that wraps up our news segment. The individuals we have up this month are Jeff Evans, which was a fantastic conversation discussing high altitude medivax, and he is a physician assistant. So we have a special guest on the show as well, my wife, Amanda Shibley, who is a PA in hip and knee replacement. And then we have Scott Light again. He is. This is his second time coming on the show, and this time he will be discussing psychoactive drugs from around the world, not just Peru and the Amazon. And then our last guest is Alan Cotter discussing Bos, not Bosnian, Bolivian tourism, and he talks about why Bolivia is a great destination, cheap, and has a ton of different tourist attractions. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate uh, you you taking the time to do that. We hope we gave you some decent news today. Oh, you know what, Elliot? You forgot one more for next month. Preston. March is a big month. So, March is a big month. So we end with Preston, the buzz biologist, on traveling off of the well, well off of the beaten path. And he actually kind of looked for some pretty interesting animals. That was a really funny conversation. He was a cool Yeah, friend. that was a lot so, of fun. Yeah, we, we hope you appreciate, or <laughs> we hope you enjoyed listening to the Travel Bites episode. We'll do this again next month. If, if you can, rate us on iTunes. We really appreciate that and it helps. It goes a really far away in helping us build our platform and get better guests for you to make better content. So thank you again for listening and tune in next week. 